Bliss came back, and I said, boo, really loud into the <laughs> mic, and scared the crap out of her. Yay! <laughs> okay, let's get to it. Hi, and welcome to Bliss Fully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on currently in fandom and nerd culture. I am Bliss, and I'm joined by my dear friends, as always, Kelty and Kendra. <laughs> yep. That's us. We have so many cables on our bed right now. Yes, we do. Kinky! <laughs> so, I know y'all are aware of what went on this week, mm-hmm. but for the audience at home, for those blissfully unaware, <laughs> right? <laughs> there was a drama that happened in the Shira fandom. It feels so weird saying Shira. It just doesn't feel like a word. No. <laughs> it's not Shira. It's Shira. Shira. Like put a W on the end of it. That still feels wrong. Anyway, I mean, it's all a made-up language. Mm-hmm. True. All language is kind of made up if you think about it. Mm-hmm. I think about it every day. Oh. I was an English major. It's kind of my thing. Well, so anyway, the drama. Yo, boy, the drama. The drama. There sure was some. It was pretty ridiculous. Uh, it was It was a lot. I didn't find out about it until I saw somebody retweeting about it. Because it's on Twitter. That's where all the fandom drama happens these days. Well, yeah. Well, Almost exclusively. None of us watch She-Ra. Yeah, I think so. it's important to mention none of us are in the She-Ra fandom. None of us have watched the show. I mean, I guess we kind of know about Noelle Stevenson from, like, back in the day, but we we had no... We have no personal connection to any of this drama. No. None whatsoever. True. Uh, it was bizarre. It was like watching a car crash. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, some old-school mid-aughts like, just flame warm meltdown drama. Yeah. Like, it was blood and messy, and people were crying, <laughs> and it was all over, like, people making a gay cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was over, it was so much energy over nothing. Yeah. Well, so, the, uh, the inciting incident was the writers and Noel got together, and they were I guess they were doing an Instagram live Q&A, is how I understood it was. Okay, they were doing some kind of... I thought of, it was like a... It was some sort of stream. It was some some sort of, like, panel stream Zoom panel thing because, you know, of the quarantine and no one can get together and see anyone. So it was just a long, yeah, Q&A. Fans were asking questions and that's all I'm aware of. I don't even think fans were asking questions. I think fans sent in emails and... Oh, yeah, they, yeah. like, asked questions electronically. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a real time. It wasn't like a Zoom, like, real-time thing, is more what I meant. Five million fans in one call. <laughs> God. <laughs> All screaming and cutting out randomly. So, there were some things apparently said in this little panel mm. that were just the fucking end of the world. 
Apparently. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the old list of grievances. <laughs> list of demands. <laughs> there were multiple. Yeah. <gasps> because I again I don't know the order in which any of these things happened. Like who said what when. Blah blah blah. I just I there is a list of stuff that people didn't like. I think it was only three. No, there were um from the one I'm looking at. There's let's see here one two. Four? Four? I guess. One of them doesn't feel like a like legit grievance. The other ones I'm like, I guess. Well, and if you if you like maliciously misinterpret events for outrage points yeah. to have a grievance. Yes. Really, there's only one that I give credit to, and that's only because I can't say it's not offensive because I don't belong in that group. And that was the supposed racist comment. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'm just saying I can't say whether that's actually offensive or not because I am super white. I am super white and I'm still firmly on the not side. Well, like, I don't see I it. don't think so. And I talk to others who also don't think so. But, you know, personally, I, I can't <laughs> take umbrage with that grievance. I, uh, I mean, as a Latina... I was not, I did not see the offense in it. But, you know, I guess we all look at things differently. <laughs> I didn't think it was offensive. Uh, we're skirting around what it is, though. So, shall I talk about it, or do you want no, to please. as the host? My co-host, my beautiful co-host. <laughs> okay, so here is a list compiled by, by someone on Twitter of the grievances that the fandom had with what was said on this stream, Q&A, whatever it was. First of all, two characters that I don't know, Hordak and Entrapta. Mm -hmm. Someone, a fan, wrote an email saying that the fan has some form of disability, I don't know what, and this, this disabled fan saw these two characters, Hordak and Entrapta, as positive, good, disabled representation in media. I can't comment on whether they are, never seen the show, but just that one fan had the opinion that they felt somehow represented in these two characters in the form of their disability or their disability codedness or whatever. And that got turned into the writers Claim. claiming <laughs> that they had good disabled representation on the show specifically but from these two characters. Who are apparently villains. Who I- maybe. They are villains. I do know that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think there might be a redemption arc for them in the last couple episodes, but I do know that they are villains. Yeah, but we know that pure teens don't believe in redemption arcs unless they end in death, and even then it has to be- Or even just humanizing villains. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, villains that just aren't Ramsey Bolton psycho murderers. Like, villains <laughs> that have... Mustache-twirling psychos. Some kind of humanization to them, even if they don't get redeemed. Okay, secondly, there's a character called Bo. And Bo is dark-skinned. It's a fantasy world. In space. In space. There's no, obviously, one-to-one -one racism like there is here on Earth, in our real hellscape world that we live in right now. Mm. But there is a character... Yeah, they have green people and, like, a cat lady. <laughs> and a woman with giant lobster hands. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's weird. Okay, there's a character named Bo, and Bo is dark-skinned. And there is, there is some sort of joke in the show where Bo has, like, a million brothers, or sev siblings. many siblings... 
and they're all named some variation of Bo. No, they rhyme. No, well, that's what I mean. They're yeah. all some kind of rhyming word with Bo, and it has something to do with, like, their one personality trait. Like, that's the joke. Like, there's a guy named Oboe, and he plays the Oboe, and that's the joke. Well, and Bo, um, I found out, because while reading through these lists of names, these joke names, uh, I couldn't figure out why Bo was named Bo. He's, he's an archer. Oh, there you go. That's cute. So there you go. Bo is Bo the Archer, Oboe plays the Oboe, and they made a joke about one of Bo's possibly not even real brothers being named So, S-O-W, because he's a farmer, Mm -hmm. and he sows crops in a field, and that was the joke, and that got turned into Bo's brother So is a slave. Yes. And this is a pro-slavery stance that the <sighs> the writers of She-Ra are taking. Apparently. <laughs> they are unmasking themselves as being all in favor of slavery and or sharecropping and or whatever, <laughs> whatever, I don't know. Space job he has. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, I can't tell anyone who is not white that that's not offensive. But I think it's a fucking stretch. Yeah. I when, like, am a little astounded, actually, that just the mere concept of a joke space farmer sowing fields while being dark-skinned at the same time <laughs> was read as a pro-slavery joke is pretty far-reaching to me. Mm-hmm. It did have that forced aspect to it. I don't know. Did you ever see the fan art? I guess it wasn't fan art. Concept art. Yeah. That they sketched out. He's got a straw hat and he's chewing on a blade of grass. Cute. And like, the thing for me was that I had to have this explained to me. I had to have like the racism explained, I guess, because I could not understand. I had to go looking for the reasons people were offended by this. And I I still think they're pretty fucking weak. But the one I had the biggest grievance with, well, really, I had a lot, I had a major grievance with the disability thing, too. But the one that just drove me the most up a wall was a man giving a shout out to a podcast run by his friends um, called Desperate House Dykes, which was, you know, it's run by lesbians. <laughs> And it is the correct title of the podcast. And it's the title of the podcast. They are lesbians, and they talk about Desperate Housewives, and the name of the podcast is Desperate House Dykes. Is that what they talk about? Oh my god, yes. I have to watch it now. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I looked it up because I wanted to know what the name of the podcast, like what this podcast was about. Oh, that's funny. That people were lampooning these poor writers over, and that's it. That's all it is. I love Desperate Housewives. Well, and from my understanding, one of them, or maybe more than one of them, was helping moderate the stream. So it wasn't even just like a, I'm gonna tell you guys about a friend of mine. It was like, hey, thanks to my friends who are here, their podcast is this. Because you can't, you can't look up a podcast on half words. You have to have the name. Also, D-word I would have looked up Desperate House Dicks. Yep. Or I would have looked up Desperate House D-Word. Yeah. Like, I would have typed that into Google. The way my autism works, I would have just thought it was Desperate House D-Word. And I would have typed that in. Autism aside, Dick and Dyke are part of my just everyday vernacular. 
I say them all the time, and I don't consider them bad words that need to be censored around anyone under the age of 11, maybe? Yeah, so that was the issue. They said that this straight man had said a slur against queer women, and that was unforgivable. You know, death to him, pitchforks and torches, blah blah blah. Because he shouldn't have said it. He shouldn't have said the D word, endless air quotes, because he's a straight man. So really, he just shouldn't have like supported this podcast run by queer women because he it has, was more has, offensive for him to show support. He has no way of accurately plugging or supporting this work done by queer women because these queer women who have agency and are adults have decided to title their podcast Desperate House Dykes. And now, unless I guess you are also a queer woman, you are just not allowed to know it exists. No, you actually, like, I have talked to people, you have to be a lesbian. Bisexuals cannot say the word. Oh yeah, well, that's the whole, that's another fight, you know, amongst (laughs) queer women. Like, only lesbians get to say dyke. Which, I'm gonna be 100% honest. It's just gold star rad femme bullshit all over again. Of course it is. But I'm gonna be 100% honest. That is my label that I use. I am a dyke. That's what I like. I like, you know, the word lesbian is fine. The word gay is fine. Queer is fine. But my favorite word and the word that I use most is dyke. And my non-queer friends even will use that word to describe me because that's how I prefer to be described. And if you don't like that word, that is 100% fine. I'm not asking you to. But I am asking you to mind your damn business. I want people to call me a dyke. Not meanly, and their context is everything, but I think that context is important in these sorts of arguments. Another thing I saw recently on Twitter, people who were like, don't have a slur in your at, even if it's yours to reclaim, which is literally taking away someone's agency because it makes you uncomfortable, which is something that psycho Christians do. Anyway, I had a lot to get off my chest about that, but, uh, yeah. Oh, you've been stewing in it since this whole drama started. Yeah, dyke is my favorite word. I love that word. It's mine, and you can't tell people that they're not allowed to say it unless they're a gay woman. And if people who I love and trust can't call me by the name that I- by the titles that I choose, that's taking away my agency. What is the point of any of this reclamation? Exactly! If not to eventually have these words be- be neutered and be harmless. Like, I don't understand what is the point of reclaiming anything. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't you can't reclaim something if you're only allowed to say it under certain circumstances because it might trigger people. But like another thing is I don't like the idea of dyke being considered a new n-word, I guess. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Because it is it spent most of its time being reclaimed, first of all. And secondly it just, you know, is a word in Dutch. And secondly, as I was going to say, is just a word. Not even just in Dutch. It's a word. There are dikes. You you use dikes to fucking... What is it? Like, water? No, a, a dike is like a small dam. Okay, there you go. It's like a small dam. 
And, like, I'm never gonna forget running around and, like, seeing on Twitter somebody refer to Dick Van Diesler, and it took me, like, 15 minutes, and I I loved the Dick Van Dyke show, and it took me 15 minutes to understand what they were saying. It's a name, people... You you gotta you gotta understand context. It's really important to understand context because you can't just you can't just make context. Well, that's the thing. You can't it's shape it to rather, your meaning. Rather than like have the sort of the knowledge that there are these words that have been used in harmful contexts, and that we should be mindful, and especially in these these words are used against marginalized groups, we shouldn't dictate to those marginalized groups how to how to deal with those words. Conversely, you cannot just take the word a priori of no context and then invent context around it so that it is always offensive. Because that's simply not how language works. No. And you are you are then just deciding that the word, this groupage of sounds, is always bad, no matter who is saying it. And yeah, like Kelty was saying, they've constructed this this like double bind where the only correct way to deal with or reclaim a slur is you have to be of the marginalized group that it refers to, so dyke and but also not want to say it yeah you can you have to be in the position of being able to reclaim it but you have to have the moral fortitude to not want to yeah which is a very protestant christian double bind kind of conception of sin where the like the purpose of sin is to tempt you, but you must resist. Like, yeah. It's the same sort of ideology. And it's just so painfully obvious to me how many of these young queer kids were raised Protestant, even if they didn't go to church, in the very Protestant culture of America mm-hmm. with this sort of noble resistance to indulgence that is so just encapsulated in all of American ideology. And it's just, it's what makes them so infuriating. Okay. Anyway, I'm done. I'm fine. (laughs) Anyway, Kendra, what was the other one on the list? There was one more? Yeah, so the final item on the list (laughs) is the one I get the least, because I don't, I literally have no idea what people are mad about. So I'm just going to talk about what other people are claiming. So there's a character named Double Trouble, as far as I'm aware, and... Double Trouble is, like, a non-binary character and also a shapeshifter, I believe. Yes? Sounds legit. So, someone, I don't know who, one of the writers talked about this character, Double Trouble, mimicking people's personalities and mannerisms through shapeshifting and through... People watching. People watching, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Like, that's just... That's kind of how they operate and made a comment, some sort of comment about how they might sit in a cafe and watch a group of kids to like understand how children act. Mm -hmm. And that got turned into this non-binary character is a child predator (laughs) and 
the writers are saying that, and that's bad because it's reinforcing the stereotype that queer people are child predators. Which is something I tried to explain to more than one person in my my foray into this drama. (laughs) I tried to explain that there is a history of the misconception or the fear that queer people are all child molesters. Just by virtue of existing around children. And I genuinely, that was another one where I had to get in there and be like, please tell me what you're seeing that I'm not seeing. Yes. Yeah. Like, I wanted to know what these people are thinking, that just by a character who is a shapeshifter, observing the mannerisms of children to more accurately shapeshift Mm -hmm. is the same as child predation. Mm -hmm. And that speaks way more to the, the just general state of, like, homophobia, queerphobia, and general, like, sex negativity in Mm. America than I think it does to the idea that a shape-shifting character might observe people to better mimic their mannerisms, Mm -hmm. and they're just, yeah. Which, again, speaking as an autistic, that's just something that we do. (laughs) I do a lot of people watching and movie watching and TV. That's just how I learned, that's how I learned to, like, talk as normally as possible. I think a really good uh, example of Double Trouble. That's such a... Okay. (laughs) I won't get into my analysis of the names of this show. I don't Um, care about any of that. In the... I want to say it was 2013? 2011. Play with Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch. They played Frankenstein. And they'd switch switch, uh, the roles each night. And I was watching an interview about the way that they decided to perform Frankenstein. Like, how they chose their own mannerisms. Because I watched both performances. It's very good. They play their characters differently. But it's the exact same story, exact same costumes. Everybody else is the same. So it's it's really neat. (laughs) So Johnny Lee Miller said that he watched his son a lot because he imagined Frankenstein being born into the world having to learn the way a child does. Excuse me, Bliss. Do you mean Frankenstein's monster? (laughs) Yes. Frankenstein, I'll have you know, is the name of the doctor. (laughs) Dr. Victor Frankenstein. We're getting divorced. Oh, God. Uh, so yeah, Johnny Lee Miller watched his son to decide how to play his role of Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thank Liz. you. Some goddamn respect for the source material here. <laughs> um, and then I believe Benedict uh, went and observed a unit for traumatic brain injury patients and was able to watch how they were behaving and, you know, getting on day to day for his mannerisms. Do I think that either of those things are predatory behavior for the sake of being able to act a certain way? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't. That makes me wonder if other people did, though. <laughs> I bet. I don't know. 
know did. if that was quite the issue at the day. Yeah, that's true. But I have so little faith anymore. Uh, yeah, no, I I found that completely ridiculous. That one felt the most forced to me. Yeah. Yeah. By a mile. I don't know, I feel like the dyke thing was super forced, too. So, I feel like But I mean, at least with the guy saying dyke, that happened. A oh, man, okay, a I, man I get, I get said the word dyke. <laughs> we can all agree that that state of, that fact happened. Yeah, okay. That's but this fair. one, nothing Close. even happened. <laughs> it was just the implication that a non-binary character saw a child. <laughs> and like, on purpose observed them to, or even hypothetically, because I don't think this even happened in the context of the show. This was no. just the writers talking about something hypothetical happening. This non-binary character hypothetically observing a child in order to better shapeshift into a child. Mm -hmm. Should that ever be required of them? <laughs> so yeah, at least, like, this is the biggest stretch for me because it literally didn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. It's just people drawing very awful predatory conclusions about this very, very innocent sort of cute thought. Yep, that sounds about right for fandom these days. I don't know, that one sounds about right for fandom in general. Yeah. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Did you see the tweet? That was like, for normal fandoms, sure, people are always looking for things to be upset about, but this fandom is different. <laughs> the whole thing was just a whole lot of messy. Oh my god, I never had seen one in the wild, you know? The the concept of, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. I'd never seen that actually enacted in reality before, until that moment where I was just like, Oh wow, do you think that with your whole brain? Like, you typed it out. It'd be one thing. I meant it. It'd be one thing if you were, like, drunk at a party and just, like, blurted it out and said, like, oh, it's not a regular fandom, it's a cool fandom. I can't believe there is somebody in the year 2020 that thinks that their fandom is special in some way. I honestly, that's a thing that most young fans do in fandoms. I'm sure you don't see it or engage with it a lot. But as someone who is in fandoms that have large, younger fan bases, most of them think that their fandom is the exception to the rule. You see it a lot in Sandersides, because Sandersides, as much as I love Sandersides, and I, the fandom is precious sometimes, <laughs> it is a lot of I am woker than thou bullshit sometimes. It's see, a lot of like social posturing of who can be the most woke because wokeness is now like the new social currency. Yeah. And that would be great if that meant like actual progressive behavior, but it doesn't. It just means, like we said with Dyke, just inventing context for outrage. Mm -hmm. uh, one day we're going to have to get into the, uh, the event that was the super who luck war. Oh, I don't want to. That'll that. be fun. No, that'll be fun because it's like it's so in the past that it's like a cute historical artifact now. Yeah. And not anything to do with the real 
hell pain of being alive in 2020. Like, okay, so here's an example. I, I know I always bring everything back to Game of Thrones, but this is actually relevant. <laughs> yeah. So in, uh, uh, well, I don't even remember which season it was, season seven or season eight, because it's such a blur of oh, no. mediocrity and failure. <sighs> but uh, there's a scene where Ed Sheeran is in, Aww, is in a yeah. scene of Game of Thrones, and he's just some random soldier at a little campfire, he's playing his lute. He's singing a little song. Harp or whatever it is, and he's singing a little song to entertain his fellow soldiers. Which is a thing that happened which, all the time! Which is a thing that in medieval societies they did because they did not have Twitter. Exactly. And it was fine, man! Like, I don't like Ed Sheeran, I'm not a fan of his music, but I really he's did not fine. give a single fuck that he was in the scene of Game of Thrones for ten seconds. And... Everyone got so mad about it that he deleted his Twitter and shit because everyone was so mad that he was in their dragon show. Yeah, the thing that the thing that I always remember is on Cracked they used to talk about Game of Thrones back in the day, and it was like season six or seven then because that's when they were doing Winter that. is taking forever. Yeah, Dan O'Brien just goes, "That's fun for people who like him," and I was like, "Yeah, that's more or less how." How I feel, too. And then it was just like, but no, everybody just decided to attack Ed Sheeran for having a favorite show and then being like, hey, can I be on your show? And they were like, totally. And that was apparently his fault and the worst thing anyone could ever do. Which, meanwhile, he's not the only one who did it. He just was the only one who did it whose face you recognize. Yeah, this is not the first time someone has, like, appeared in a background scene of Game of Thrones or whatever. The but... drummer of Coldplay was in the most famous episode of Game of Thrones, doing what he was famous for, and no one noticed. <laughs> no one cared. He's famous for juggling, right? He played, like, some sort of juggler. No, you that was what? a different one. That was a different one. <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was Sigur Rós. <laughs> No, I didn't know that somebody else did it, but I was just being a dick. Okay. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, yeah, they do that all the time because it's fun for fans of that thing to be like, "Hey, cool," because that's okay. nice and harmless. Do you know what else is nice and harmless? Ads. Phantom. What were we talking about? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Well, just so that we're all on the same page, Kendra, would you mind explaining what a puritine is? Largely. Uh, I guess we and, like, other fandom people use the term puritine to refer to usually teenagers and very young adults um, who engage with fandom but have this very puritanical, prescriptive ideology about how media and narrative should be consumed and attach, like, a moral component to how one interacts with the fiction they consume. And they must consume fiction that aligns with their puritanical moral ideology or else they are problematic. Problematic here, not meaning what it means in, like, 
critical theory, but just being, like, a substitute for wrong, because they know that wrong is, like, a limiting moral judgment, but that's what they want to say. So they just substitute the word problematic to mean wrong. And, yeah, that, that if you enjoy, or not even enjoy, but if you just, if you partake in media that has, you know, maybe violence or maybe depicts an abusive relationship, or anything that is not good and puritanical, then then you are problematic. You are bad for watching it because the depiction of something in media, they believe, equates, whether you want it to or not, equates to a promotion of that content or that subject matter, and a, like, a sort of tacit approval of that sort of behavior. And there's no room for nuance and there's no room for engaging with difficult subject matter because why would you want to? That just means that you're you're bad and you're problematic. That's all it is. Like, really, it's just this attitude that has been developing amongst younger people. I'm going to say in their late teens, early 20s, like very young adults who ascribe this sort of puritanical moral virtue to, like, the consumption of media, the consumption of narratives, and also, like, proselytize this ideology, like, go around enforcing it on other people as a form of, like, social control. Mm. A lot of it, maybe not all of it, is because they don't actually know the history of the things that they're trying to cancel, uh, I guess is the way I want to say it. When Puritans come up with these claims, like we see in this She-Ra drama, uh, with the claims of like pedophilia or predatorial behavior, those are all things that decades and decades and decades ago were these stereotypes used against queer people and why queer people couldn't have rights because they were, you know, out there they were to prey on your children. Yeah. Yeah. It's because kinda... even before that, queer people were lumped in with these negative, with the negative idea that uh, queerness was the same as like bestiality and incest and those things. It's all lumped together. So them trying to detract every single negative, big air quotes, thing is just i feel personally reinforcing that narrative uh that queer people should be associated with bad well yeah you're just you're just couching basically to like the demands of the oppressor that in order for your queerness to be palatable it must be like married monogamous heterosexuality mm-hmm it's like the satanic panic all over again. It's a lot like the satanic panic. It's it's honestly, I believe, like a form of moral panic. Mm-hmm. Like, in a very small bullshit scale because it's just children on Twitter. What I also find interesting about it is that they never provide actual ways of solving the problem. Uh, like, especially with the she drama, I saw a lot. People were like, well, how would you have preferred this straight man refer to this podcast podcast. Um, because as a podcast with that in its title, you can't just say D words or 
or bleep it out because that's part of the title that people need to search. And countless people were responding with, I don't know, but he just shouldn't have said it. So, like, to other people, that's not good enough. Yeah, because other people were saying, well, you know, those women don't speak for all lesbians or whatever. Because I said multiple times is also when people would respond, well, he should have gotten permission. I was like, well, as a dyke, it doesn't bother me. Then people would be like, that doesn't mean that other people can't be upset. And it was like, well, okay, but like, I... I am part of this community. Yeah, so what is the solution then? Is the solution that it's literally just unmentionable unless you are are a lesbian woman? Well, and that's the thing. It's always just, I don't know, but you can't do it. It's because they've become so and so insular that they're not learning anything. So they're just rolling around in this pit of filth that they claim is moral superiority. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I I keep telling people that isn't my experience. And just by saying that isn't my experience, people take umbrage with just that and will say, well, your experience isn't universal, so stop telling people how to feel. Which isn't (laughs) what I'm doing, but it sure as hell is what you're doing. It's like an incredible self-own because that's exactly their whole ideology is to police what marginalized groups are and are not allowed to say about themselves. And it's like, well, okay, that's not... Then what are we doing here? What are not, you mad about? That's yeah. You're upset about something that I have no control over. And if if it's upsetting to you that I ship the main characters in Killing Stalking or whatever the fuck I'm doing in that moment, refer to myself as a dyke, not, that has nothing to do with me. You don't have to talk to me. And, like, well, here's the the thing. You can intentionally hurt someone's feelings, and then that matters. That's a very different circumstance, But that's specific. No, they're they're not an equal amount of harm. Exactly. And other people doing something in their own corner, referring to themselves by their own slurs, shipping something that you find problematic, quote-unquote, those things are not about me you can you can feel those things i'm not telling you that you can't but you also can't tell me that i can't do it because it hurts you it's also just frankly not my job exactly i don't have any control over how you feel if i'm intentionally hurting your feelings then yes it's absolutely my responsibility to apologize but if I'm just living my own damn life and you're upset by that, I, I, I'm i sorry. I don't care. Like I said, I, I said this like privately amongst ourselves a while ago. There is a big argument right now. There is a big take, hot take, you know, TMCR, that intent is not relevant when discussing harm that something has caused. Like someone's intention to be homophobic or racist or whatever doesn't actually matter when discussing the harm they've caused. And I understand, to a degree, the logic behind that. And I just have to say that, personally, for myself, intent very much does matter to me uh, if someone is being homophobic or misogynist or whatever. If that person does not intend to be homophobic or misogynistic, that has an effect on my material safety around that person. 
yes, if you are if you are just a buffoon and you just don't know better about, you know, that behavior being misogynistic or that statement being homophobic, that has a huge difference to me on how how safe I feel around you and whether or not I need to take steps to protect myself. I think it is very much the same in these spaces that people have just sort of latched onto this idea that intent doesn't matter ever and expanded it to include all these things that it was never meant to include. It's very different. And I think there's a huge, I mean, safety being the most important thing, but there's an opportunity to help people who don't know better educate themselves. Mm -hmm. What frustrates me a lot is the just absolute unwillingness to listen to anything outside of their own point of view. Yeah. It it feels like a foot-stomping, angry toddler screaming that they're right. And I can't... I, I will sit down and have a conversation with you about why you think this is wrong. But you cannot just throw a fit and say, I'm wrong for disagreeing with you. For Well, because then you're no different than conservatives. You're no They're different. all conservatives. They just aren't willing to admit it. Exactly. But that's what I mean. Like They're homo-nationalists! Please get into homo-nationalism. Can I? Yeah. Homo-nationalism. So yeah, uh, it's a term uh, coined by Jasbir K. Poir, who is a queer theorist, and talks about how, in America particularly, but, you know, it, I guess in the West, you could say, the nationalist ideology utilizes queer people and their rights to reinforce itself. So a way you could understand this is to look at gay marriage, I guess, in the West, where it has become largely legal, in a way that it is just like heterosexual marriage. So it is monogamous, you know, for the purposes of taxation and census data collecting and all that. Queer relationships have just kind of been boiled down to this idea of gay marriage in a way that reinforces state control of people's relationships and of people's families and, you know, the way that they create and structure their families. That's an example, that's a very abbreviated (laughs) definition of homo-nationalism. And yeah, that's basically what I see informing a lot of this ideology amongst these young kids, you know, in fandom on Twitter and all that, is this idea that they think because they are queer that every every instinctual impulse they have is somehow radical or is somehow transgressive or is a real fuck the system sort of thought when in fact a lot of their ideology is straight up you know from the social purity movement of the 20s or from the Victorian era of a hundred years ago or more. It is this very, very old prescriptive ideology of how people should act and how morality is conferred upon a society. Yeah, so that is, I I see a lot of like homo-nationalist adjacent 
thoughts and concepts being thrown around quote-unquote radical or progressive spaces. It's upsetting because because they believe themselves to be so utterly progressive and radical, you will never convince them that they are anything but. Like, it's, it's a losing battle. How much of it do you think depends on their age? I honestly don't know. Like, I, I, I would amend that to be, like, like I said, like, young adults. Like, older teenager, young adult. I think, and this is just 100% my theory, I have, like, no actual data to back this up, but it would seem to me that people of that age in America and the West have grown up in a society that largely, not totally, but largely has a more supportive view of queerness. Like, in my country, for example, gay marriage has been legal since 2005, and in a lot of Europe as well, and in the States, like, a lot of states had it before it was federally ratified and all that. And, you know, like, there were gay characters on TV and in movies, and everyone kind of had a gay person that they knew in their life. I think it's mostly based on how much experience you have in the real world. And I'm not saying that these kids aren't dealing with trauma or, like, don't have history with trauma or anything like that. What I am saying is you can't know how the world works just by being online. Well, and I think that people, these kids, also have no idea how dangerous openly being queer was even 10 years ago. Exactly. Or even 20 years ago. Or even just in other places today. Just even in countries that are not America. Yeah. I mean, hell, even parts of America. Like, you don't really see a lot of aunties from, like, Arkansas. Because, <laughs> like, you can't be gay there. They'll fucking try and kill you. Um... And, like, again, yeah, like, Texas, mostly the Texan Puritines are, like, in Houston and Austin. The privileged cities. Yeah, where it's, like, cool and fun and, like, not Elgin, which is just 30 minutes outside of Austin, and you get fucking chased by guys in pickup trucks. So, like... Oh, or down in Buda, where people, like, beat you in the parking lot. Exactly. Like, there's a certain amount of experience, like, negative experience, that you have to have in order to understand what it means to be oppressed, I think. It's, it's just, it's a little wild that they don't seem to get what they're saying to people when they say this sort of stuff. Very wild. I, I still... I have a hard time wrapping my brain around it sometimes. Exactly. And I, I mean, I get it. If you're young, it's hard. Life is hard. And you don't know everything yet. You haven't been taught the history you should. Most queer children don't know anything about queer history. No. And I mean, that is just my biggest pet peeve on the internet these days. As a student of history, as a literal history graduate now it is the most goddamn irritating thing in the world that people don't know history and that marginalized history is not taught to anyone but also that people just don't go look for it themselves <laughs> that's a big deal for me because we have the library of alexandria in our pockets now 
Uh, so really there's not an excuse? Like, the fact that you're just not, like, hungry for this knowledge is the thing I don't get. It is infuriating. (laughs) I openly welcome any puritan out there who wants to have an actual conversation. Not just a shouting match, because I'm not engaging in that. (laughs) But an actual conversation about queer history and maybe why they might be wrong about things. Come! Hit me up on at Blissfully Show on Instagram and Twitter. I will have a conversation with you. But <laughs> but I just, I am, I think all of it is to say that what happened in the she fandom was, while comical to witness from the outside, indicative of what is happening in younger culture these days with this puritine movement. And it's sad. It's it really is scary. sad. And I feel bad because she was one of those fandoms that was pretty okay. It was a nice, fluffy show for people to watch. And it had representation that mattered to people. And it was meaningful to a lot of people. And blowing up all of these accusations against the staff that genuinely (laughs) none of them, I feel personally, were valid. But that's my opinion. (laughs) Uh, I felt bad for the fans that liked the show and then felt like they were wrong for liking it or they'd been betrayed because this person said that this thing is now wrong. And it's just, it's sad. And I hope that it is a passing bad. (laughs) I don't think it is, but I can, I can hope. (laughs) I mean, I hope so, because I feel like, I feel like most kids, like the reason that we call them puritines is because it's often grown out of. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just, I'm remembering the don't like, don't read tag that threw me down a uh, trip down memory lane. Yeah, it's having a resurgence because people keep sticking their noses and shit that it doesn't belong in. Yeah, now it's just dead dove do not eat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just been it's been couched in a cooler, more updated reference. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest shift uh, generationally in on the internet, where it went from don't like, don't read to I don't like it, so it shouldn't exist. So did we talk about the thing? I you tell us. The, you're the one in charge. You are the the host. I'm the one in charge. That's a novel idea. Um, I think we talked about the thing. <laughs> I think we could talk about puritines until we're all blue in the face. But That's true. We can have a two-parter this time. No, I think we need a new goddamn topic next time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Bliss Fully Aware. If you want, you can come find us online, Instagram and Twitter, at Blissfully Show. And until next time, don't shame people on the internet! Bye! (laughs) I'm sorry, Nancy Reagan, but I don't want to think about the children. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha!